Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 49. Hello and welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast. This is the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and turn your dream of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased, up-to-date, and honest information available online today. My name is Ryan Gray and I am joined by, joined with, my joined, how do you say that? Joined by? Joined by my co-host. I don't have you on the show enough, apparently. <laughs> that being me, Allison Gray, your wife. Hello. Yes. My co-host, Allison Gray. I help with his grammar, too. It, it all works. Yeah. I'm very poor grammar. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show, to the Medical School HQ podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Happy Halloween. If this is your first podcast with us, then thank you for joining us. If you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back. Today, we have a kind of different podcast because we're releasing this the day before Halloween. And so, Alice and I were talking about what we we should talk about. And we said, let's talk about some of the scariest stuff that we've encountered during our pre-med path and medical school and, and even beyond and, and kind of do a little Halloween theme. So that is what we're going to do uh, for you guys today. And uh, hopefully you get a lot of entertainment out of this one. It's not so much learning. It's more of uh, understanding the kind of stresses and, and what you go through as a pre-med medical student and beyond. So before we get started with that, I want to give a quick shout out to the one five-star review that was left, and it was actually left from our friends north of the border in Canada by Jimmo87, and I, I'll leave the A out of it. He should have Jimmo87A, right? A? Uh-huh. <laughs> She's slow. Anyway, Jimmo87 says, excellent info, very well put together, would be great to have some Canadian content, 
Canadian pre-med med school processes and how it might differ from the American versions. Lots of fans on the colder side of the border. Jimmo87, we definitely will have some Canadian content. I know uh, I have a big interest in reaching out to some of the Canadian medical schools and talking to them. It's it's very different, a lot more competitive, and and I'm sure you've heard us talk about Allison and her pre-med path. It's my alma mater up there. Having gone to McGill up in Montreal, Mm -hmm. so... We'll have some information for you, Jimmo87. I can't guarantee you when or, or tell you specifically when, but keep listening and we'll have something for you, hopefully before you finish med school. Before we get started talking about some of the scariest things that we've seen, I want to remind you that you can continue the conversation with us in a couple different ways. You can jump on Twitter and send us a tweet. We are at Medical School HQ. Allison's on Twitter now. You can tweet send a tweet to her she's at allison underscore mshq and you can email us um ryan at medical school hq.net allison is allison at medical school hq.net or you can go to the show notes which is probably the best way to continue the conversation about this specific episode and you can go there at medical school hq.net slash four nine for the episode number and there you'll get all the show notes and uh, everything else we talk about. And you can leave some comments there. And let us know if you've had any scary moments as a pre-med or a medical student. So why don't we get into what we've seen, what, what has scared us on our path to medicine. I, I, the first thing that came into my mind was the MCAT. I think that's the first thing that scares everybody on their pre-med path and that is the first hurdle and that's actually studying for registering for and taking the MCAT. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think the MCAT is very intimidating and I remember the day of the test going in and getting fingerprinted and you feel like you're at a police station and you're taking the most intense test of your life that's going to determine your future and it's just all very stressful. But it all worked out in the end, but yes, very scary at the time. Yeah. And the, the other one that I thought of just right off the top of my head is another test, step one, and I guess step two, but step one more so because it seems to have much more weight for your residency application. So my <laughs> the two that jumped into my head for scary moments during the whole process were, were tests, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, it's part of being a medical student and a doctor. You end up taking a lot of tests, but those are some pretty big first ones. So it's understandable. Yeah. And then I think the, the most of the rest of our lists are firsts, firsts during the whole process. So why don't you go through a couple of your firsts that you have listed? Yeah, there are a lot of firsts in medical school, and I think a lot of the fear comes from those first experiences. When Ryan and I were brainstorming, some of the other things we thought about were some crazy or scary situations with patients, which we'll get into later. But in terms of these firsts, so let's talk about our first day and night on call. That was very nerve-wracking. And I think back to really just my first day of internship, the first day that you actually put on your white coat and as a doctor... And I got up at 3.45 in the morning because I had about a 40-mile commute to work. 
and I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my God, I look like death and this is going to be the rest of my life. What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> uh, so I wasn't so scared then, just super tired. And But then as I drove on the road, every mile I got closer to the hospital, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm so scared. And we had had four years of medical school right behind us, and we had had lots of experiences with patients. But this was the first day that I'm actually writing MD after my name and where I felt like it was my butt on the line. So I came into the hospital after parking my car and got all my tools and my stethoscope and went into the hospital. And I got sign out from the resident who'd been on the night before. And that's where you get uh, basically a list of all the things that have happened with the patients you're taking. And again, my heart's racing. And then I get up to the floor and I'll never forget this. I'm about to go into the room of one of my first patients to pre-round on him. And that means I'm finding out about... Well, I'm, I'm talking to him and examining him before round so I can update the team and my attending about everything going on. And I, I remember hearing his nurse say, oh, don't worry, Mr. So-and-so, your doctor's coming right in in just a minute. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. What am I going to be helpful with? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it was a scary day, but but every day got better. And, and then you really you come into your own. But those those first days were, yeah, they were scary. Yeah. And when we were interns, I know it wasn't really true for your specific internship, but for my internship, we had overnight call as interns, which they've they've done away with now. But I, you would start in the morning and, and round on your patients, and then you would work overnight at, on call. And I remember the, the first night I was on call and, and kind of just hanging out all by myself. It's 9, 10 o'clock at night, and it's kind of eerily quiet, and you, you're wondering if it's the the calm before the storm and you keep wondering if you should try to get some sleep because it's the first thing they tell you is eat when you can and sleep when you can. And so I curled into bed and I think I slept with one eye open the whole night because it, it, when you sleep during residency and, and even during medical school, if you're, if you're taking call as a medical student, it's not really sleep because you're, you're always waiting. You're always kind of in a, a hyper aware state where you're waiting for the pager to go off or the 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 phone to ring so it's it's interesting and it's a very scary thought that that first time you wake up and and what you know it's even scarier that the that thought of missing a page yeah and sleeping I had, through it i had co-residents who did sleep through a page that's not a good feeling at all Fortunately, I never did, but definitely there were many, many times during residency where I had to jump literally out of bed because I woke up to the sound of my pager, saw what it said and said, oh, expletive and started running. (laughs) And uh, it's yeah, it's not don't think that if you're on overnight as a night float that you're going to get rested sleep. That's not the idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I will, you know, I also remember those first days, those first beginning times. I remember during my orientation as an intern and sitting there nervous uh, and the program director at my internship, uh, I was at a great hospital and he said, despite the fact that we were supposedly a great group of doctors, of new doctors, because it was a really good program, a a great hospital. But he said to us in his wisdom, he said, you know, I want you all to realize that you're all sitting here and some of you are thinking that you're really that 
that at some point soon, very soon, we're going to find out that you're the phony and that you're really not up for the task and and we're going to find this out about you and, and realize that yes you went to medical school but you're not cut out for this and I'm hearing this and I'm like oh my god <laughs> and he's like remember that's not true you're all here for a reason you've earned this you're here because you are great doctors and even though you're new at this you're going to be fine and his main message was just breathe and remember to write things down because that's all you need to do and the rest will follow. And he was right. And I tried to keep his words in my mind as I went through every day, one day at a time, one note at a time, one patient at a time. And it, it really was true. And and nobody turned out to be a big phony. We were all fine. Yeah. I don't know about myself. <laughs> I think you're fine. Okay, great. Thank you. So... The next one, another first, is the first family meeting. I don't know if I specifically remember my first family meeting. I think I remember my own personal life having family meetings for family members, but I don't I don't know if I specifically remember the first time where I was the physician in the room and going into a, a meeting with a family to give them news of, of a loved one's current state of health or what was going on. But you remember yours. I definitely do, and I'll never forget. Um, I have to also say that this is an area that's very near and dear to my heart uh, as as a physician. I've I really, through my years of training uh, and now still as an attending, I I've really had experiences that have taught me just how crucial, how essential that family meeting is. We take care of patients as physicians in the hospital and in the clinic all the time, and I think what people fail to realize as doctors and other healthcare providers when you're rushing around and particularly in residency is that the family and the patient don't necessarily remember anything about the names of the doctors they meet or the the tests they had or what the test results were but they do they absolutely do remember uh, those times when you sit down and you talk about what's going on they remember what the way the doctor looked what they what they said and they remember those interactions, which is why one of the things patients complain the most about is not necessarily the outcome of something that happened, but the way they were treated by a doctor, a, do- a doctor's bedside manner. And the family meetings are so important. They're not something that's taught. And we'll spend another podcast sometime talking about this because it's so important. But part of why I realized that this was was such a crucial part of our work as doctors is out of this first experience I had. So as an intern, it was day three, and I had recently just accepted this patient out of the ICU. She was extremely sick, very ill, and was sick enough that, or or well enough that she didn't need to be in the ICU anymore, uh, but she was extremely sick. And so I'm, I was very nervous already inheriting her because I had never really taken care of someone this sick before, even as a medical student with, with just so many ongoing problems. And my, I think my attending or my junior resident said to me, okay, well, we need to have a family meeting. The, the family wants an update about how things are going. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm not even sure I really understand everything going on with her. And now I'm supposed to somehow as my, and my third day as a doctor, be able to convey in a way that the family will understand what is going on with this woman, what her prognosis is and what we're doing to try to make her better. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed at the thought that this was my responsibility to go and and do all of this. (laughs) And 
uh, I was I was just petrified. So I turned to my junior resident. Um, this was a few hours later. And it was time for the meeting. And I said, you know, I, uh, I, I'm really nervous about this. I don't feel like I, I'm prepared for this. And I, I don't want to do a bad job. And bless his heart. I'll never forget him. Um, he's now a, an awesome cardiology fellow. Uh, he said, don't worry, we're going to do this together. And we went over her case and everything going on. And, and we went in together. And it was funny. I mean, he did such a great job in explaining so much of it. And, and I actually did a lot of listening more than talking. But somehow through our interactions at the end of the meeting, the the son of the patient got up and gave me a big hug. And I remember the junior resident saying, well, gee, that doesn't seem fair. He was kind of joking later. But it just was it was so uh, important. And so it just stuck with me about what a gift that was to me because someone had told me a couple hours earlier, okay, you're about to go and have this extremely important family meeting and it's day three of your internship, go. And I was peeing my pants figuratively. And then my junior resident really took me under his wing and and showed me the ropes and showed me how how it was going to be fine. So, But that, that stuck with me and it still has become such a, a focal point of what I feel so strongly about that's important as a physician. And um, end of life care in general is is so, so important in the way that we approach it in families. So not to get off too much on a tangent, but it's just amazing how these first fearful experiences that you have as a doctor and, and as a medical student as well can really stick with you and, and define what you feel like is important later on. Yeah. Well said. And I know you're you're a big end of life proponent, the the end of life care and, and the the family meetings and, and having having a plan and, and having those discussions. So absolutely. That's another podcast discussion. So I'm going to talk about the first that was scary for me. And that was the first time as a gen surge medical student rotating in general surgery and being in the emergency room waiting for trauma patients to come in. And where we went to, to medical school, we had a very large uh, level one trauma center. And so waiting for those calls and getting those calls and saying, okay, we have a patient on the way and sitting in the trauma bay all gowned up, ready to go, I think can can lead to some PTSD for some because you're, you're just sitting there. The whole team is just sitting there waiting for the patient. And that's scary because everybody has a defined role on a, on a trauma team and you're the med student, and you really don't have a have a role as the medical student other than to stay out of everybody else's way. I was just gonna say that's gotta be it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a scary moment because at at some point I I did jump in and I did help and I helped move the patient or help stabilize something that was flopping around or or whatever I did, but I I just I vividly remember just standing in the corner all gowned up with my. Uh, universal precautions and gloves and gown and everything and 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 seeing the kind of awesome event that was going on around me but but being scared that that I was going to mess something up yeah those are really uh nerve-wracking situations you're they're very protocol based and very algorithmic but as a medical student when you haven't done this a whole bunch of times again it's it's a first it's sort of that Oh God, I hope I don't get in the way. I just want to be helpful. I just want to learn. And it's funny that I think about being in the OR for the first time. And I, again, it's that feeling of, okay, you just want to stay out of the way, but you also want to be getting involved as much as you can, get your hands dirty, learn. 
And I, as some of you may know from earlier discussions, I tend to be a little on the clumsy side, which Ryan likes to make fun of. And and so in the OR, I was terrified that I was going to drop something and ruin the sterile field and or compromise it somehow. And and my first, the first thing you have to do after you scrub up, you, you scrub up, right? It's been so long. Oh, my God. <laughs> scrub in, obviously. Scrubbing. But I'm thinking of when you, you clean your hands for like 10 minutes. Nobody scrubs anymore. They just rub the, the Ugh, lotion all over right, themselves. Right, which seems cool. like crazy. We used to spend like 10 minutes standing there with that pink stuff uh, up and down every crevice. Uh, but, uh, in your hands, that is, <laughs> but anyhow, so you clean your hands, you go in the room and you can't touch anything. You have to turn around. It's like a whole dance and the scrub nurse was there and you just have to do everything just so because she's going to hand you your gloves and you have to make sure you're toweled off of her really. Anyway, I was just so nervous and it took me like four or five times to really get down, you know, what I was supposed to, to do without feeling like I was a complete, uh, wreck. So it all worked out. And I definitely got a ton of time in the OR during medical school. But <laughs> it's funny what what things will make you nervous. Yeah. So what about the first time you got that acute stroke call? Ah, the acute stroke pager. So during my residency, we would hold uh, the infamous pager for the ER and uh, the ER pager would cover any acute stroke that came in through the emergency room doors. And sometimes you'd get a heads up that this person was coming and sometimes they would just roll in and you get a page and you need to be downstairs. And the reason that it is scary is because it, the clock is ticking. It's like when someone comes in with really bad chest pain and they could be having a heart attack. As they say in neurology, time is brain. And for every second that you're there, neurons are dying. And so it, it's funny because the first time actually an acute stroke was called on my watch, it turned out to be someone who wasn't having an acute, an acute stroke at all. But I raced down there and and it's a stressful situation. You have to quickly get as much history as you can, but then jump right into a stroke scale, which is an exam that's um, very algorithmic and counts up the number of points that someone has to help determine what's going on and how how big, how extensive this potential stroke is. So the, there was a fellow who showed up too, a neurocritical care fellow to help guide me through. But yeah, that was a lot of responsibility. Uh, I think in some ways, a lot of the first experiences that I had that were really scary and, and um, anxiety provoking were actually more as a junior resident um, in my PGY two year of residency. And, and probably just because that, that uh, responsibility was ramped up that much more than when I was an intern. I felt like in my internship, there was just a lot, even more supervision. Um, and I wasn't quite out, as, uh, out there on my own as much, but as a junior resident, while you of course had senior residents and attendings and fellows, there were definitely some times when it was really you and, and uh, it felt like uh, more, I think more scary because of that, but you get the hang of it like with anything. And my God, I don't even, I lost count of how many acute strokes I responded to as a resident. So practice makes perfect as they say. And you do a lot of practice as a resident. That's how you get good. Yeah. Lots of practice. So let's talk about some, some different scary and by different scary, I mean, Patient-wise, and I think uh, I'll start with one of the experiences that I remember as medical students where we were actually together for this one, going down into Manhattan into a locked psych ward. That was scary. Uh, Walking inside that door and, and having that door locked behind you and knowing that you're on a psych ward, not knowing why the patients are there and... 
kind of vulnerable. And we, we did go together that day. I forgot about that day. Yeah, who's got the good memory now? <laughs> yeah, and, and so that was interesting. You, you, you look at pencils differently. You look at, at everything a little bit differently because everything, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like the stereotype, but anything could be turned into a weapon and, and you just, you don't know. You just, you just are on the edge yeah, you're you're out there and and for the first time you're in this very just alarming situation where there are locked doors and there are certain people that are not allowed out and now you're with them. <laughs> so it's not a typical situation that you would find yourself in unless you work at a prison or you're visiting someone who's a prisoner or you're in medical school. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting because my internship was done at a prison hospital and so that became old hat to me going into a locked ward where you're actually walking inside a a prison and treating patients inside prison cells basically and and that can be scary we had several patients that uh i knew why they were there and and unfortunately you're not you're not really supposed to and i i preferred not to know why patients were patients were in jail but um, it, it can be scary going into a room alone with somebody if you know that they might have been a violent offender and they're there and we had several patients that they like to eat things for some reason. They they like to swallow weird objects like pencils and one guy I think got mad at the Bruins game and so he broke the TV and ate all the glass and it's interesting moments but can be very scary because you're, you're in there alone with the prisoners like a locked in a psych ward with um, uh, patients that might not be completely stable. So those are some scary moments for me. Yeah, I think it's it's particularly challenging when you first encounter patients who are very sick in a psychiatric way because when someone's very physically ill, they may be very sick, but there's not... It, it's it's sort of out there what's going on and and why they're sick with someone who's uh, who has a psychiatric illness. You may know that they're schizophrenic, but you really don't know what's going on in their head unless you know, they're talking with you. Even then, it's it's um, it's just not the same. And so you really don't know necessarily also how to interact with them in the same way. If, if someone is physically ill, you want to obviously try to help them and make their physical illness better. But it's, it's hard when you don't have any experience. If you're not a trained psychiatrist or trained psychologist, you don't know how to even communicate sometimes with someone who is psychiatrically ill um, because you don't even speak the same language in a way. So I, I had... Similar, um, I think it was it was scary being on the the psych ward as a third year med student when patients would become um, extremely delusional or um, just completely uh, violent, even and out of control, and they'd have to be held down and sedated, and and that's a hard thing to see for the first time. It's it's definitely it's troubling. And I remember a friend of mine in med school, or someone I was working with. Uh, we watched this happen one day and she said, oh my God, I know I'm not going to be a psychiatrist. And all the psychiatrists out there, I mean, it's it's a very, uh, it's a difficult job that they do, um, but it's an important one. And so for every, everybody gets scared about different things. Certain people don't like blood, certain people don't like other things. Yeah. What about some scary patients that you had? Uh, as an intern, I think uh, one of the scariest things I saw, and, and some of my memories, I have to say, were, were sad. I think when I think back on what were, quote unquote, my my scariest memories or crazy, scary patients, um, I, I think about things that were actually really sad that, that scared me on, on a deeper level, I think. 
uh, that were disturbing. And one of them, there was a 40 something year old guy, uh, such a nice guy who came into the hospital and seemed to have <clears throat> a bit of uh, pneumonia, seemed to be not feeling well, had gone to another hospital and they found an absurdly high number of white blood cell counts, uh, white blood cells, sorry, in his blood. And some of them were very abnormal looking, meaning that they looked cancerous. He was in what we call a blastic crisis. And he got sent to, he was transferred to our hospital. And again, he he was sick, but he didn't look any worse than anybody who's ever had the flu. And he was ultimately diagnosed with AML, which is a terrible form of leukemia. And ultimately he died within 48 hours. And we threw the kitchen sink at this man and we tried to do everything we could to, to, to cure him, to not even to cure him, just to stabilize him. But he very quickly uh, went, he was transferred to the ICU and, and literally within 48 hours he was dead. And it was just, it was so alarming to me um, as an intern at that time that my God, you know, you, you learn about leukemia in medical school, you read about it. But to actually see this disease just rip the life away of, of this young 48-year-old person or 40-something-year-old person who was engaged to be married, it was just terrifying. It, it really scared me. And I, I thought, my God, I have a lot of respect for this disease. Um, so that that never left me. Yeah. I, I think we could kind of go down the list and talk about all the scary patients, but there's there's a lot. and. It's probably also disturbing if you haven't yeah. kind of gotten your hands dirty and gotten in there. It it can be uh, scary to to hear about these things. So, uh, but but at some point, you know, you'll have your your share of of the things that stick with you, and and that's why a lot of doctors now tend to write down their their memories, their experiences with patients. Uh, and sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're scary, but it's great to keep a journal of what you encounter um, as a pre-med if you're out there doing your clinical experiences, because again, they're they're stories you can draw from and and uh, take with you for years and even talk about in your interviews or in your personal statement. Uh, but later too, as, as a doctor, even when you're super busy, I always said, God, it would be really great to write all this down. And, and I've just kind of kept a mental log of it, but it's amazing what sticks with you over the years. Yeah. So that that's our Halloween edition podcast. I hope we didn't uh, bore you with some of our, <laughs> our going back and talking about what, what scared us and, and uh, but I, I think overall the the path to to being a physician is generally pretty scary. There's a lot of hurdles, a lot of unknown, a lot of hard work that you don't know as a pre med if it's going to pay off because medical school is pretty selective. But at the end of the day, it it always comes down to one thing, and that that's great patient care. And at the end of the day, that's always worth the journey. It is. And I think uh, I always remind myself along the way that as you're going through medical school or the pre-med process and then medical school, you're going through it uh, with a group of other people. If you're a non-trad and you're out there kind of on your own, that can be a little different. But for the most part, you know, once you're involved heavily in this process and certainly once you're a medical student, you're surrounded by a group of other people who are going through it with you. And that in and of itself is very comforting because you can share your experiences and talk through some of the hard stuff. And yes, it's scary, but it's the most worthwhile journey you'll ever take. So we hope you have a happy and safe Halloween this uh, 2013. If you have any scary situations that you've been in as a pre-med or maybe some shadowing experiences or med as a medical student, 
let us know. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 49 and leave a comment and, and let us know what you think. And I think that's it. I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters.